Welcome back to the Cheap Seat Sports Podcast. This is your co-host Brandon along with co-host Kyle, producer Chandler. And uh, we just want to come to you today with the second part of what we talked about in episode two. In episode two, just a quick recap, we went through the NFC uh, offseason uh, moves, all the moves and trades that were being made by teams. And we just went through some highlights, picked some stuff that we really wanted to talk about from each division, uh, gave our prediction. So we're carrying that over into this episode, only this time covering the AFC. So we'll go division by division talking about the highlights, the trades, the big moves, um, possibly some draft speculation heading into the draft this week. But also uh, we're going to give our predictions and talk about a couple other fun things. And the first thing that we really want to dive into is it really seems like this year there has been an abundance of uniform alterations, uh, some drastic changes some small changes, just some logo changes for some teams. And so uh, we just want to dive into this really quick. It's just a little fun fact um, or a little fun topic that we'd like to talk about. And so uh, let, let's talk about who's got the prettiest and who's got the ugliest new uniform in the NFL. Kyle, what do you think? Top to bottom, prettiest and ugliest. Are we saying just the new ones or all uniforms? Just the new ones. Ugh. Top to bottom, um, this may sound biased, but top to bottom, I do like the Patriots. Um, Boo. A lot of people are like, oh, they're just the color rush uniforms. They are. Those were by far the fan favorite. Um, I'm glad they made those the primaries. The away uniform, the white. Yeah, yeah, because everything's rebuilding and everything's falling apart. No, they actually did it because (laughs) in those uniforms, they're six and one. It's true. It's a very good point. I own one. I love it. Um, I know a lot of other people love those, and I'm glad they made them the primaries. They did actually go with a different sock than the Color Rush, so it's not completely the Color Rush uniforms. Um, the away uniforms, I wish they would have kept the silver pants or gone with white pants so it at least match the top, but all in all, I like them. Uh, we'll see how long they keep that combo. I, it was a long time between switches. They haven't historically had a ton of uniform swaps, so we'll see how they how they go. Um Chandler, what do you think, man? What are your favorite? Um, I think that the uh, what the Colts did, I, I feel like they paid a lot of attention to their branding and their style. So I was actually kind of um, impressed with the way that that those turned out. And um, contrary to what most people think, I think the Falcons jerseys are pretty cool. Um, I mean, there's some that are definitely not uh, not sure how I feel about the gradient. Um, but the more that I look at like the white top, red pants, I'm like. Okay, like maybe, like maybe I could see it. Right now, it kind of feels like a practice uniform, but um, got to show some love for the Falcons for sure. But yeah, I think the uh, I think the Colts did a lot of really smart branding for for what they did. It's a it's a it's a good call both ways there. I think that both those teams have put um, some thought and some effort into making some changes, honoring some past at the same time, uh, looking to the future. I don't know what the Falcons are thinking of those gradient rise up jerseys, but you know, that's neither here nor there. We've already, we've already complained about that enough. <laughs> the, um, for me, I really am, uh, I, I'm going to be a little weird here. I, I'm digging the Browns. I like, I like what they're with, what they're rolling with here. I think that they took a very classic, um, clean look and, um, they're paying homage to their past. And 
you know, whether you think that they changed them a whole lot or not, you can, you can see the differences between their modern era jerseys and their new, um, their new style that they're rolling with. So good on them. They're trying to create a new image, trying to create a new story. And, uh, I think that was a good move for them. Um, ugliest for me, uh, is going to have to not go to a uniform change, but to a logo change. Uh, I don't know what the Los Angeles chargers Yes. We're thinking <laughs> so um, bad. That that is just a hideous cartoonish uh slap in the face to what a franchise was hoping to be a historic change and um uh, I just don't I don't see how people could put that on their body and just be okay with it. But that's just me. Uh but let's uh let let's let's transition here. Let's let's hop into what it is that we're here to talk about. The AFC offseason uh moves. Um, let's jump right in. Let's get into the AFC East. There's obviously a lot of hot topics going on in the AFC East. So, um, I think we're going to start it off. Let's start off with Miami and, uh, you know, what are they really up to? Kyle, what do you think? It's hard to say with the Dolphins. They have what I believe, I believe the most picks in the draft at 14. Um, yes. they have the fifth overall pick, which obviously has a lot of leverage in this draft. Uh, there's a lot of projections that they're going to try to grab their QB of the future here. Um, I honestly, with 14 picks, I wouldn't be surprised if they tried to trade up um, per se. And I think I mentioned this on the last pod, but try to trade up to the third spot that's occupied by Detroit right now. Um, I've seen a lot of mock drafts with that trade in it, trading the fifth and the 19th overall pick along with either a player or a pick later in the draft with Detroit to go ahead trade up and trade either Tua or Justin Herbert with the third overall pick and go ahead and secure their QB of the future. Um, I've also seen people saying that they may trade down a little bit later in the draft, um, which is an interesting take. I don't think they'll go with that. I think if they make a move, it'll be a trade up. Um, use some of those 14 total picks to get the guy that they want. Um, is it that really be, worth I don't to you, know. though? Quick question, and I apologize about the interruption. Do you genuinely no, think it is worth the number five pick and the number 19 pick to move up, to grab a guy that is going to be there. I mean, and we're talking about right, to a right. tongue of Iloa and we're talking about uh, Justin Herbert. Uh, these two guys, one of them is going to be there at the number five spot. Is it worth giving up another solid first round pick to move up, to get one or the other? What, 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 do, what do you, what is the difference? How much is it genuinely worth in a vacuum? I don't think it's worth it. However, the reason I think they would be motivated to trade up is the Chargers lurking right behind them with the sixth pick may try to make that same move with Detroit because that move makes a lot of sense for Detroit. Uh, a lot of people are projecting them to go for with a cornerback like Jeffrey Okuda um, out of Ohio State, who's clearly the best corner in this draft. Um, so Jeffrey Okuda is still going to be there at the fifth or the sixth pick. Um so it would make a lot of sense for Detroit to trade down. It's just a matter of who do they trade with or if they do. Because even at the third pick, I still think they would go with him at corner. So if the if Miami sure. were to trade up, I think the motivation would be to um, beat the Chargers to the punch and get the QB they wanted out of those two. Right. I mean, obviously, that's what the, at the end of the day, that's what it comes down to is who do you want? Uh, I mean, if you put... <clears throat> sorry, if you put Tua Tungavailoa and you put Justin next to one another... You know, obviously we have polarizing difference in f- playing philosophy. Uh, so I guess it's really more so about who you want to build your future around. And if you think that if you're Miami and you think that the Dodgers 
are going or not the Dodgers, the Chargers are going to go too. after um, are going to go after Tua or they're going to go after Justin. And that's who you want. I understand the trade. But at the end of the day, you're talking about two possible franchise quarterbacks going back to back. And I to me, it's not worth it. I, I want my 19th pick because I want to go get myself a wide receiver to complement my new quarterback, whichever one it is. Absolutely. Um, but that's just me. I mean, I think I, I think the thing that could really stir the pot, though, is you're, you're getting a lot more news about is Tua going to still be. That's right. Is that he high traffic? And if not, well, then you have that pressure of, OK, realistically, who's going to be on the board that you're like, yeah, that's the guy that we wanted to go with. That's the guy that we felt good about. And so now you've got two teams that desperately need the quarterback position and you've only got, you know, two on the board that everyone's looking at. and you know, into a, um, and in Justin Herbert, because obviously we know, you know, Joe Burrow's going number one, obviously. So if two is not on the board, I mean, yeah, there's some other great quarterbacks that are going to be in this draft. You have Easton that's going to be in this draft, uh, probably a little bit later on down the road. Yeah. Jordan Love, you've got, um, just so many good quarterbacks that you're going to get in, in, in later rounds. But, um, I don't necessarily know that if two of falling off the list is going to force, the hand of some of those NFL teams, or if they're going to try to make it happen uh, for Justin Herbert. So I think that these yeah. next couple of days are, uh, are going to be pretty crazy on just the news that comes out and then what NFL teams decide they want to do about it. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, that's a great point because I mean, at the end of the day, if everybody's looking at two and thinking, all right, he's not worth a first round pick anymore. Um, guy proved in college. He can't stay healthy. His last injury was almost catastrophic and could genuinely come back to haunt anybody that takes them in the first round. Um, so maybe now it's trading up because you're going from Joe Burrow to now only having one other quarterback that is genuinely a first round guarantee, which is Justin Herbert. Um, and so now that now the fight makes sense. Now the trading makes sense. If that's what everybody's thinking, but who knows we're not in those war rooms. Uh, this is all just speculation, but um, so yeah, Miami, they're going to they're going to get their quarterback no matter who it is. Uh they need some other things. As Kyle said, they got 14 uh draft picks, which is <laughs> just insane. Uh so we'll we'll see what Miami ends up doing. Um but really one of the biggest things that we want to talk about in the AFC East is we we want to talk about the Patriots and we have an avid avid Patriots fan here <laughs> on the podcast that uh we're just going to let him rant. Mainly because he has every right to because what the crap are they doing? Nobody knows. Kyle, fill us in. What are the Patriots thinking? What are the moves that they are needing to make to get themselves back to the Super Bowl without Tom Brady? Well, obviously, gigantic shoes to fill. Um, Tom Brady, obviously, some people would argue the greatest of all time. I don't think it's an argument anymore. Um, he's he's hard to replace. Um, it's hard to say who they'll go with. I think they will draft somebody. Um, if it turns out to be their franchise guy or not, I don't know. They may invest in the defense early in the draft, grab some wide receivers, um, and take a flyer late. And then, you know, I jokingly said tank for Trevor on the last pod, but we'll see. Um, as far as how to answer the QB position, I don't really know how to answer that. I don't, I'm not in love with Brian Hoyer or Jarrett Stidham. Um, I know there's a lot of people that really like Jarrett Stidham, um, with his history at Auburn. I think for the Patriots, he has losing history. Good dogs. Something. Yeah, that's right. Something like 
two for four for 14 yards and a pick six. Um, not very encouraging. Obviously, that's a super small sample size, but not encouraging at all. The Patriots lost a lot of talent outside of Brady, though. Um, they lost a total of four defensive starters, two offensive starters. Two of them were captains and an all pro special teamer in Nate Ebner. So they lost a lot of talent this offseason. It'll be interesting to see what they rebuild with, but they have a history of doing that in 2019. They lost Trey flowers, Trent Brown, Malcolm Brown, uh, Eric Rowe. They lost a lot of key players last year, the year before 2017, they lost players like Logan Ryan, Martellus Bennett, uh, LeGarrette yeah, Blunt. Let's be honest. Great players. And they don't they have a history lose of the greatest of all time in those ex- seasons. 100% agreed. And, um, you know, they don't have a history of making big splashes in free agency. Um, the biggest one I can think of in recent history was, uh, Stefan Gilmore in 2017, the yeah. defensive player of the year this year, which is obviously a huge pickup, but I mean, that's the biggest move they've made in free agency in a long time. Um, that seems to kind of be the way that Bill Belichick manages the team. They, they like to promote players from within draft, fresh talent that fits in the system that he's built. Um, that's one of the advantages of being the coaching and the GM. You kind of get to make those decisions, but they also have a history of draft day trades. Um, they're bottom five in cap space right now. I know there's been a lot of talk about possibly trading a uh, tackle Joe Thune to a team that needs a tackle. Um, it'd be interesting to see if they try to trade him to open up some cap space and either move up in the draft with their first pick or add some second and third round depth because they don't have any second round picks this year. So we'll see what they do. Yeah, I mean, they've got a lot to do. I I mean, for a team that's, I mean, they're defensively um, strong. I don't think that that's necessarily... Uh, going to be the question. I mean, yeah, they, they like you said, they lost starters. a lot of t- they <laughs> lost a lot of talent on the defensive side of the ball. But uh, Bill Belichick is a good defensive mind. Uh, I think that he'll have decent control over that. But he's always, uh, let's be honest, had Tom Brady to rely on the offensive side of the ball. Uh, yeah. And he doesn't have him anymore. So to me, uh, that's going to be the big question: is will the offense ever be good enough for the Patriots uh, yeah. without Tom Brady? And so and something that'll be interesting to see going forward is do they try to replace him in the same offense or do they try to change their image? I've yeah. seen some people saying they might try to trade up and get Justin Herbert. Uh, I think that Bold. would be that would cost him so much at this cost point. a lot, but it would be interesting. I think they could give up their first round pick Joe Thune um, and probably some picks later down the road, not this season um, and try to move up to that. Uh, fifth, you, you're six, talking about mo- you're talking about moving up but into that's a easily lot. the top six or seven though right and the first team that i can think of that needs a tackle is going to be the cardinals or the browns yeah uh that's so what, i mean that's, 10, that, that's a 10, jump something like that yeah, yeah. that, that that's, a, that's gonna cost a lot yeah i don't see that realistically happening but who knows Belichick honestly has though i think that working. the patriots kind of did this to themselves though when they let go of Jimmy G. <laughs> it's true. Because when they had him, honestly, a, a lot of people were talking about that was supposed to be the future he was. of the Patriots. And then Tom Brady got all butter because Jimmy G was like, Jimmy G was getting all the attention. And Tom Brady was like, hey, Kraft, yeah. Belichick, yeah. get rid of yeah. him. And they, so they didn't want to have a love all triangle. They was a, all they got for him was a second round pick. And now he's a Super Bowl quarterback. Come yeah. on, Patriots. So, what you know, are you yeah, doing? There. Don't give him too much credit. Been saying it for years. Patriots, they're on their way down, man. Here we go. We're about to see it most certainly in a rebuild. We will see (laughs) what comes of it. Okay, so 
outside of the Patriots, obviously we got the bills making uh, the trade for Stefan Diggs. Um, Heck of a trade. Good for them. I think that their offense is going to continue to improve, continue to take that next step. Their defense obviously was a star last year. And yeah, something interesting about that defense, too. Like you said, it was one of the top units last season. They still spent over $96 million adding pieces to that defense. So I Well, would, I think that they made the decision that their identity is on their defense, and that's where they're going to be. And then they went out and they made the one move they needed. They needed to get their supposed franchise quarterback, a franchise wide receiver. And they decided to trade for him instead of going into the draft and finding one. They found one that they know is going to get the job done and uh, good for them. That's all they need to them. All they need is to put up. They perfectly satisfied putting up somewhere between 21 to 28 points a game because they know that their defense is supposed to keep that score low. So that's just who they are, I think. And they're they're selling out for it. Yeah, um, I think it was a good move. The question will just be, can Josh Allen actually hit a target this season? <laughs> that is a very yeah. solid question. <laughs> well, uh, the fact is there, there, there was one team in the AFC East that gave up less points than the Bills. And that was the Patriots. That's right. So I think that the Bills are going for the jugular now. They weren't happy with that. And they want to knock down that now. I mean, as good as it was, I think that, you know, when you have that interdivision rivalry going on for that top spot you're trying to beat them at every corner and you're constantly trying to get better and because i mean even for the points that they put up last year i mean they put up 314 and you know that was second in their division again to the patriots and so they're they're really coming in close on on what they're allowing and they're putting even more into that saying you know like you said i I like how you put it remy they they're, they're saying this is our identity this is what we're going all in for and i mean I, I think that that's only going to provide more success for them. That's right. Um, so here we go. AFC East. We spent a lot of time talking about them, mainly because we love to hate on the Patriots. But the AFC East end of season predictions. Kyle, shoot us straight. Are the Patriots staying the Patriots or are they falling in this division? It's... It's really, really, really close. Um, Don't you right? lie to me. It's not that close. <laughs> you be honest listen, with the people. Listen, let me finish. <laughs> let me finish. It's really close, I think. Um, I project that the Bills will edge it out. Um, boy. I hate to say it. I think they are making... He's wearing a right Patriots shirt right now, everybody. I'm just letting you all know. I'm... I'm Trying to be a humble fan. That I is some backstabbing content that you are throwing out for Listen, the pot, man. I appreciate it. <laughs> I think the Bills will scratch it out, but I think the Patriots, if the Bills win it, I think the Patriots would be one of the front runners for an AFC wildcard spot. Um, they're both projected to be nine win teams this season, along with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, interestingly enough. Um, but I mean, the disparity between them last year was obviously a lot bigger than that with the Patriots finishing as a at 12 and four and the Bills finishing at 10 and six and the Patriots did sweep the Bills. So those two games were the difference makers in the division last year. So it'll be interesting to see how they do head to head. I feel like that'll definitely determine the division this season, the Jets and the Dolphins. I While they're both trying to improve, I don't <laughs> think that they're making the moves that they need to make to be anywhere close to the Bills and the Pats. So, I mean, on technicality, I'm, the Dolphins are going to be a completely different team after this draft. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so we'll see. They might come out and shock us, but I don't think they'll be that improved. I think it'll take a few years before they get there. Um, they've got a good, another former Patriots defensive coordinator there and Brian Flores at the helm. Um, yeah, we'll see. I predict that it's going to be Bills, Pats, 
Jets, Dolphins. But we'll see. All right. All right. There you go, Patriots fans. Your own man turning his back on the squad. I'm not giving up on him, though. You love <laughs> to see it. Chandler, what are you thinking? Uh, yeah, so I think uh, I think the Bills are going to top out the AFC East. Um, I think they're probably going to go... I think they're probably going to go 12 or 13 wins Ooh. this year. I think, I think with a pickup, uh, that they had in digs, uh, I think it just gives them a lot of excitement there and a lot, um, a lot of just potential and throwing options and just what they can do. Um, so putting the Patriots, uh, below them in second place, I'm actually going to put the Dolphins above the Jets, um, solely on, um, you know, they're, they're in a much more strategically beneficial sure. position in the draft. So, uh, you know, I just don't think that you can downplay um, what that pick is going to do for them, what they're going to be able to do. Uh, it depends on if they're having to give up a lot to get to a higher spot, though. So um, we'll kind of see what happens. But, yeah, I'm going to go Bills, Patriots, Dolphins and Jets. Yeah. Yeah, uh, I, I am. I Yeah. What you got, Kyle? Oh, no, I was just going to say, I like that pick. Vegas right now has the Jets at six and a half wins and the Dolphins at six. So I really think it's splitting mm. hairs there. It'll probably yeah. depend on what they, or excuse me, depend on what they do in the draft. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I'm sticking with the same rotation here. I got the Bills taking the division. Patriots coming in at a more distant second than Kyle would like to admit. <laughs> and then I got the Dolphins and I got the Jets uh, rounding out the bottom there. I think that uh, the Patriots will be in the hunt for a possible wild card. And then I think uh, Mr. Hoyer or Mr. Sinem are going to blow it in the last two games of the season. Uh, just like we all know that they're capable of doing. Um, so there you have it. There's the AFC East. Uh, lots of exciting things going on there, but now we want to jump on down to the AFC West. Uh, I know that, uh, you know, one of the big things that one of the big topics this year when it comes to uh, football in general is, is obviously the XFL. It's amazing success from the start of the season to its slow decline towards the middle of the season. And then obviously uh, with Corona coming in and uh, shutting everything down, the XFL has officially closed all of operations with no talk of coming back. But they were kind enough to go ahead and release all of their players from their contracts, mainly because they couldn't afford to pay them. But that allowed them to sign with NFL teams. And uh, one of those team or one of the teams in the AFC West has cashed in on somebody that stood out among um, um, you know, as a star among, you know, a lot of people. And, uh, obviously, uh, I think it's a, it's an interesting move for them, but I'm going to let Chandler break this one down for everybody. Yeah. So the XFL, uh, again, sadly met its eventual end, but Jordan Ta'amu, is that, is that the correct Ta pronunciation? Ta'amu, Tom, is there, is there a pause? Ta'amu. Ta'amu. Where I'll just slur it a little bit. No one's going to know. And uh, so got picked up by the Chiefs, um, which is kind of weird to me, to be honest. Uh, you know, I mean, you have a Super Bowl level quarterback, um, but obviously they have seen that young talent is hungry, um, especially in that quarterback position that that hunger fits in really well to what the chiefs are doing, what they want to continue to do. And so, you know, it doesn't hurt to have a bit of a safety net there. Um, it also allows them, um, to, you know, create some cap space, uh, that they were kind of struggling with, you know, sort of figuring out. So I think that they got some young talent in Jordan. I think that they have that safety net, um, in the quarterback's position and they were able to restructure Sammy Watkins contract, um, and have about 3.5 million 
in cap space. So obviously, you know, I don't think that that's coming at a big price. And I think they probably got a big um, upside for the team there and being able to do that. And it's just cool to, you know, see the XFL uh, be able to kind of support the league in that way. I kind of that was sort of my expectation of what the league was going to of what the XFL was going to do anyways it was almost going to turn into this farm system for the NFL um so it's just you know got to be cool to see a guy like that um that maybe felt like he missed the window to you know maybe get a shot in a couple games this year if uh, the Chiefs can just break out and put up a ton of points and and be able to get him some uh some NFL experience for sure yeah I mean Jordan's always been a heck of an athlete uh, at the collegiate level and then obviously showing his skills at the XFL I mean, he was he was the second best quarterback only behind P.J. Walker in the in the entire league. And not to say that that's an extraordinary accomplishment, but when two guys stand out so much more than everybody else, that's how you know, I mean, that that's the point. That's why you're there to get recognized. And uh, he showed up. He did his work. He you know, he took his licks and throughout his football career. And I think he's earned this. I, you know, obviously he's going to go play behind Patrick Mahomes and. Um, probably not see the field a whole lot, but at the end of the day, like you said, they, they, they took a shot to fill a, a gap at the backup QB spot. That's not going to cost them a whole lot of money because they didn't have a whole lot of money to spend. And at the same time, they genuinely got a quality pickup, a guy that they know and can trust is going to step in and be an athletic fill in just in case. Um, so yeah, yeah good for them. Good for the XFL. You know, I genuinely hope that they do come back. Um, I think it's good for football. It's good for fans. Um, and it's good for the NFL. So I think the NFL needs to start, you know, spending some of that money that they keep hoarding and, uh, help <laughs> right. out the XFL a little bit. Yeah. Definitely some good points there. Um, I think Jordan Tommy is a great, uh, safety net. Like you guys said for Patrick Mahomes, like last year he was dealing with that knee injury. Um, they had to try to figure out the backup QB situation. Obviously it's hard to replace somebody of the caliber of Patrick Mahomes, but I feel like Jordan Tom is a good fit, similar style. Um, good passer obviously not the same arm talent as Mahomes but a good passer an athletic guy um I think it's a good move for them um for sure you made a good point too Chandler talking about their cap space coming into the offseason they started out the league year with 171 dollars in cap space not 100 it's got to be a record thousand one point seven after they increased 171 dollars yeah after the cap space increase. So as you mentioned, the Sammy Watkins contract uh, renegotiation is definitely huge for them. They only have five picks in the draft, but they don't really need to make a whole lot of moves. They're coming off a Super Bowl win and they're keeping 20 of their Super Bowl starters. Yeah. So a lot of talent retention. That's going to be a good um, feeling. It'll be interesting to see what they do in the draft. Uh, I think they'll make some good picks to help the secondary, um, help the defense. They don't need to make a lot of offensive moves, but we'll see what they do. For sure. So, uh Another team that we want to highlight is going to be a team that we kind of made fun of a little bit earlier because of their childish new logo. Uh, but we, we want to talk about the Chargers. Yeah, they're moving to Los Angeles. Yeah, they got a new ugly logo. And just looks like the Dodgers, except for like somebody had a stroke in the middle of like, drawing it. <laughs> I forgot. I forgot about that because it was like in the season last year. So they're going to have a little bit of interesting things going on at the QB spot, uh, mainly because nobody knows what they're going to do. And I feel like this is becoming a common theme for uh, teams that you love to hate because, you know, you love to hate the Patriots. Nobody knows what they're doing. Uh, in the last episode, you know, we talked about some teams like the Eagles. You know, what moves are they making? You love to hate the Eagles. You have no idea what they're doing. Uh, later in the episode, we're going to talk about the Texans. God knows what they're doing. 
But right now, the Chargers, what are they doing with the QB position? What do you think, Kyle? Um, I'm not really sure. Obviously, Phillip Rivers is a fantastic, long-tenured quarterback there. Um, He's got a lot of history there. But it'll be interesting to see what they do. They have Tyrod Taylor, who's proven that he can suffice in the NFL. Um, He hasn't really... He's also proven that he's horrible in the NFL. Yeah, he's been hot and cold. He hasn't really proven himself to be a star um, starting quarterback consistently. He's had flashes. um, But I've read a lot of reports that they're comfortable with him for now. Um, but I see him as more of a space filler for them. If they have the six overall pick, if they don't end up trading up and the Dolphins do get Justin Herbert, um, I wouldn't be surprised if they pass on Tua with the questions about his physicals. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if they went for somebody like Isaiah Simmons out of Clemson with the six pick. Um, he's a dynamic defensive player. Uh, would definitely be a good fit for them, helping the pass rush, but he can drop back in coverage as well. Um, he's one of those players that plays kind of that safety linebacker hybrid i think he played a snap at just about every defensive position except for nose tackle this season <laughs> um i know i kind of got off of the quarterback train there but i think it'll be interesting to see what they do with that six pick especially if the dolphins trade up yeah so, so it'll be interesting so here's my thought with the chargers i look at them and i don't see a to a tongue of iloa offense so i think you're absolutely right i think if miami decides to completely shift gears and go a different direction with the QB spot because everybody in the world has been saying Miami's taking Tua. Miami's taking Tua. And now the reports are coming out that Tua and Miami might not be as rock solid as everybody originally thought. Um, the Chargers aren't built for a, te- for a team to be led by a quarterback like Tua. And so if Justin Herbert's gone, I think personally, I think they're trading down um, out of that sixth spot, maybe to a Patriots who might be interested in snagging their, their future QB Kyle. Um, I don't think that the Patriots would trade that much, but you know, there's going to be teams out there that will gladly take that spot from them. Uh, if they're willing to trade down from it, um, simply because they know that they're now going to have to move on to a quarterback option in the second round, most likely, or at the end of the first round, they can maybe look at, um, a Jordan love, but yeah, I don't, I don't know. I don't know what the chargers are going to do. Um, you would think for a team that's getting ready to make a hot move to a new city, new logos, they're most likely coming out with new uniforms to match those ugly new logos. Oh, they are. They're supposed to announce them tomorrow. No, there you go. Um, you know, you think that they would put a little bit more urgency in trying to figure out what, what the crap it is that they're going to do. Uh, and so I hope that, you know, for Los Angeles sake, that they didn't just bring two teams over to their city that are just going to absolutely flop. I hope one of them figures it out. One more quick note on the Chargers. Uh, they decided to release Melvin Gordon at the end of the season. So they are handing the keys over to Austin Eckler, who, pro- who proved this season that he could be a fantastic starting option as well as a fantastic fantasy football running back. Um, Melvin Gordon ends up landing with the Broncos, stays in the division. Um, Broncos signed him to a two-year deal, so it'll be interesting to see what he can do in that offense alongside Drew Locke, Cortland Sutton, and a lot of good young offensive talent. Um, we'll see how he does over there. Yeah. So, what do we got going on with the Raiders? What is it? What is it that that what 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 are they doing? I mean, they spent more money on a head coach than they have any player on their offense or defense. Or entire roster combined, possibly. It seemed like for a while. Um, but what I mean, they're they're they traded away genuinely one of the best linebackers in the game. 
and they're going to see the rewards from that in this draft. But I mean, their defense was miserable last year getting rid of Khalil Mack, right, Kyle? Yeah, I mean, obviously Khalil Mack, those are huge shoes to fill. Again, like I kind of talked about with New England, trying to replace Tom Brady. He's one of the best defensive players in the league, if not the best defensive player in the league. Definitely the best pass rusher. And they spent $85 million um, this offseason on linebackers and defensive ends alone. Um, Obviously, it's tough to replace a guy like Khalil Mack, but they're trying to find answers there. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if they tried to draft another edge rusher just to See what they can find. You never know. Um, another interesting move they made this offseason was adding Marcus Mariota. Um, they spent a lot of money on Derek Carr on his big contract, and he hasn't been the um, all-pro QB that they've wanted, and he hasn't really uh, met the expectations out there for the Raiders. So it'll be interesting to see if uh, adding Marcus Mariota can shake it up, if a fresh new L.A. location for Marcus Mariota can make for a better chapter of his career than he had in Tennessee. Las Vegas, baby. Not Los Angeles. Las Vegas. Las Did I say Las Vegas, baby? Excuse on me. The move. Right. Either way, they're going to have a lot of losses. But yeah, so here we go. End of season predictions. The AFC West is all over the place in terms of the amount of garbage that they got floating around. Um, so let's not kid ourselves. I think we can all genuinely agree that the Chiefs are going to run away with this division. 100%. I think that uh, the Broncos have made the right moves to jump up to the number two. And then you got the Chargers and the Raiders fighting for who's going to be the worst in the division. And I genuinely don't see either one of them uh, going down lightly. But I do see the Chargers falling all the way down on their face at the number four. So there you go. That's me. I got the Chiefs, Broncos, Chargers, Raiders, or Raiders, Chargers. Yeah, I mean, I definitely uh, would agree with the Chiefs, definitely agree with the Broncos. Um, Honestly, I just, I feel like stuff has been going so bad for the Raiders for so many consecutive years. They've been trying to figure it out with their coaches. They've been trying to figure it out with the team and moving them to Las Vegas and all of this stuff that there's just, I I, I think they're going to end up at the bottom um, in a bad way this year. Um, you know, I don't think that the Chargers are going to be great by any means. I don't think they're going to hit 500 on their wins by any means. But, um, I mean, I think they're, I think the Chargers are probably just going to end up, um, really just by default. I think the Raiders are going to lose it and, and hand that over to the Chargers for that third place spot. What about you, Kyle? Yeah. It's, yeah. Outside of the Chiefs, it's definitely a, a coin flip on who's going to be second, third, and fourth. Uh, the Chiefs obviously returning a lot of talent coming off a Super Bowl win. I don't think there's any question that they will run away with that division, as you said, Brandon. Um, I think the Broncos, they've got a lot of young talent there on the offense. I think they'll come in the second spot. Um, then the Raiders and Chargers is honestly a coin flip for me. I think the Chargers are going to have an interesting time trying to replace Phillip Rivers in that offense. I think they had a lot of – he had a lot of rapport with his receivers and his backs and obviously uh, got a long history with tight ends. Granted, Antonio Gates not there anymore, but Hunter Henry's fantastic replacement for him, and Rivers had a lot of rapport with them. So I think it's going to be tough to replace him. I still think the Chargers will be better than the Raiders this year, but something interesting to note, the Broncos, Raiders, and Chargers are all projected for seven and a half wins. So it'll be interesting to see yeah. who's over and who's <laughs> under there. That's not that different than how they ended up last year either. And so it, you, you hate to see it that you're going a whole year of just not really improving, and then you're going through an offseason and a draft and then you're still just not improving. Um, but yeah, I think I think that's one thing you just 
uh, you wonder how much the Chiefs absolute dominance in that division has just played on the mentality of those teams of saying like, well, okay, what do we need to do to get, to get anywhere close to that point to be competitive in this league? So, yeah, I mean, let's, let's be honest here. The chiefs are the new Patriots, uh, just an extreme team, um, or extremely talented team playing in a division and a division that is extraordinarily subpar. Uh, I mean, you, you basically have a guaranteed eight or sorry, six wins already. If you're the Chiefs, and if you lose any of those games, and shame on you, is is basically the way to look at what their season looks like ahead. But that's neither here nor there. Chiefs are winning the division; doesn't make a difference. So, yeah, they, um, I mean, I mean, they've got household names that have not even been in the league five years. So, that's right. it, it's hard to it's hard to come up against that. That's right. So uh, let's jump on down um, and let's let's talk about the AFC North. Uh, you know. You got the Bengals, you got the Steelers, you got the Browns, you got the Ravens. I don't think a whole lot needs to be talked about when it comes to the AFC North. Obviously, the Bengals got the number one pick. They tagged A.J. Green. Um, but free my man, A.J. Green, please yeah. get him out of Cincinnati. I hope if they do draft Joe Burrow, which everybody and their mom thinks they will, I hope that they can build a rapport there because poor A.J. Green. I mean, an incredible talent. His The beginning of his career has obviously been hampered by several injuries but Andy Dalton the red rifle just wasn't the man for AJ Green. <laughs> hopefully uh hopefully adding old Joe Exotic from Baton Rouge will help him out I mean let's be honest there's another team in the AFC that could genuinely save a couple careers you go out and you trade yourself for Matthew Stafford and you go out and get his boy AJ Green from the Bengals and the Patriots are back in the Super Bowl. Am I right, Kyle? Have a, have a little duo right there. I'd love to see that. <laughs> that would be interesting. That would cost them a lot more money than they have. Yeah, to spend in the cap. Who cares They're about that? Some contract. It's restru- just it's just money. Nobody cares. Hey, this isn't the MLB. We can't just pay the luxury tax and move on. And I'm fair. playing in these trades all day long when I'm playing Madden. So I don't understand why they can't do it. <laughs> um, so yeah, so here we are. AFC North. We all know the Bengals are going to be very predictable this offseason. Um, have been predictable. They're going to be predictable in the draft. I just can't see them trading away and making anything exciting. Um, the only thing that can be exciting is if Joe Burrow, you know, tells him to shove off after he gets drafted by them and pulls the old Eli Manning on him. Um, that would obviously <laughs> that would shake up the world. But I mean, I think the only question that we need to talk about in all seriousness is Bengals obviously are at the bottom of the barrel. I don't think that we're ever going to disagree on that. Um, are the Steelers and the Browns really doing enough to keep up with the new juggernaut of the division, the Baltimore Ravens? I'll be interesting to see this year what the Steelers look like. Um, hopefully they'll have Big Ben back by the start of the season. I know there were some questions about his elbow. Um, at the beginning of March, he was only throwing uh, like the youth size footballs. They didn't even have him up to throw in a full-size football yet. So it'll be interesting to see uh, what goes on with his elbow and if he's feeling well enough to throw. Um Obviously, his beard might be in the way. He said he wasn't going to shave his beard <laughs> until his elbow was fully healed and they gave him clearance to play again. So um, his beard kind of looks like if you took Chandler and put him on beard steroids, it's terrifying and doesn't and made him well homeless at all, which isn't a, <laughs> isn't a surprise. For I, I don't know if no. I should take that as an insult or not. No. Are you saying I look homeless or if glorious. I just keep going down the same path I'm going to? That's correct. But yeah, so, I mean, interested to see what the Steelers do. Interested to see what the Browns do. I mean, they got a new head coach at the helm. 
will they <coughs> will they rotate themselves to another new quarterback? Who knows? But let's be honest, this is the Ravens division. Um, it's not quite as cut and dry as uh, the Chiefs. Um, but this is another weak division with one team that genuinely stands out above the rest, unless the Steelers decide to come and play because they're, I think they're the only ones that have a genuine shot at competing with the Ravens. Um, as much as I can't stand the, uh, Pittsburgh Steelers, but at the end of the day, I just, I mean, the Browns are the Browns. Can we trust them? Nobody knows. Um, and then you know, obviously you got the Bengals doing whatever it is that, uh, the Bengals do when they play football. Cause obviously they don't play football very well. Um, but I think that we, I think that we can settle on that. Can we not? Yeah, I mean, I think it'll be interesting to see. The, the Steelers did have a great addition in Eric Ebron for this offseason. I think that uh, while he was, they have been, not, yeah, they have been missing a tight end for a while. Yeah, and so you know, I think that that's going to be um, really good for them because I mean, you, you you go back, you know, what three years when they had. Uh, Antonio Brown and then, you know, getting Juju in there. And I, I mean, they, you know, Le'Veon Bell and uh, the three B's, the killer B's. I, yeah. I, I mean, they're so used to having those power weapons that, that they can use and they just have lacked that kind of excitement and that luster in the past couple of years. So I think it's a great pickup to, uh, to get that big tight end. He did not have the same quality year last year. Um, by any means, but, um, I mean, he was still averaging over 12 yards of carries. So, um, you know, off of only 31 receptions, I mean, that's not, not too shabby for, for a guy when you're looking at that sample size. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I would agree that the Ravens probably it's their division to lose. Um, but I could see the Steelers really, uh, coming together and maybe making something happen. I like it. Yeah. I'm not as bullish on Ebron. Um, I do think it's a nice addition, and I think he'll do better with Ben Roethlisberger than he did with the Colts. But, I mean, outside of 2018, when he had a fantastic year, he had 13 touchdowns. The most touchdowns he scored in a season is five. Mm -hmm. So it'll be interesting to see if he can kind of revert back to his 2018 self, uh, be a little bit more reliable with a good, reliable quarterback behind him. Um, But I know there's a lot of hype around that move, but I'm not as bullish on it as others are. He was uh, in in 2018 when he had that season. Uh, he was still with the Lions, right? With Matt Stafford? Colts. No, it was with the Colts. He was with the Colts 2018. Okay, I didn't, yeah, know, if, I didn't know if he moved on from the Lions yet or not. Because the Lions originally are the team that drafted him. Right. Um. So, yeah. Okay. So, I think we're all in agreement here. The Steelers have a shot, but, man, they have to crush the rest of this offseason. They have to come ready mm-hmm. to play. Um. The Browns, let's just say the Browns are going to be the Browns, and they're either going to surprise us or they're going to not surprise us. Because there is no disappointing us at this point if you're the Browns. Um, <laughs> just be after, especially with all the hype they had this last season, You're not wrong. falling apart. I, I mean, expectations oh my gosh, that hype to start out like expect, yeah. expectations gosh. couldn't be any lower for the Browns. It's almost as if they're back to who they were three years ago when they went through 15 different quarterbacks in one season. Um, yeah, my biggest question for the Browns this offseason is yeah, this offseason is can they be more than just the offseason champions? I mean, last year they signed. Everybody offensive talent Um, this year. They brought in a new head coach, uh, Kevin Stefanski, as you mentioned earlier, he was a Vikings offensive coordinator. So obviously a good offense that he was running there. Hopefully he can bring a successful offensive scheme to the Browns. They also brought in Austin Cooper. They made him the or Austin Hooper, excuse me, Mm -hmm. made him the richest tight end in the NFL. Um, 
it'll be interesting to see Austin Hooper's was really successful in Atlanta. It'd be interesting to see if he can be as successful in Cleveland as he was there. Um, play an opposite of David Njoku, who's also a very highly paid tight end that missed a lot of time last year with a neck and wrist injury. So be interesting to see uh, if Baker Mayfield can use those two tight end sets. Baker um, Mayfield's offense just we'll doesn't scream tight end to me, though. Yeah, we'll see. They're yeah. new. new it's what, coach, it's, it's new what they invested in. Maybe it's what he told him he needed. Who knows? Um, Who knows? So, yeah, here's the predictions. I'm going to run it first just because I've been the most vocal so far about the North and where I genuinely think everybody stands. You got the Ravens, then you got the Steelers, then you got the Browns, then you got the Bengals. I think that's pretty cut and dry from my end. I think I've been honest and um, forward about that. But, you know, my opinion is not, is not the only one here, Kyle. Do you genuinely think that the Steelers have a shot at top in the Ravens? No, I think you hit the nail on the head. Um, I don't see the Ravens being surpassed by the Steelers this season. Um, I think the Steelers, what they really need to add is another wide receiver opposite of Juju. Um, I feel like the pit, the Steelers are going to kind of fall into the same traps that the Patriots did last year. They've got one receiver that's very good, very talented, and that the quarterback loves, but that's it. And they're just going to pound that one receiver, and so it's going to be easy for teams to double cover, put a safety over the top. Juju's obviously an exceptional young talent. He can get open, but it's tough to get open when you're being double and triple teamed all the time. So I think it'll be Ravens uh, Steelers coming in second, probably going to do a lot better than their eight and eight last season. When they get uh, Ben Roethlisberger back, he's obviously a lot better than uh, Mason Rudolph with the dent in his head, courtesy of who's going to be the third place Browns <laughs> and miles Garrett. And then the Bengals will round out the bottom. Hopefully they can squeeze out more than two wins this season um, with some new faces on the field. We'll see. Yeah, I mean, I think that the uh, Ravens, it's going to be their division to lose, and I don't think that they're going to do it. They clinched the division last year with 14 wins. Uh, it would be a huge fall from grace um, if, honestly, they probably go below 12 wins. So I'm thinking, worst-case scenario, they're probably sitting at about 12 wins on the season, topping out the division, possibly taking the conference. We'll just have to see. Uh, Steelers taking the second spot. Um, they've made some moves in the offseason. Um, but it's come at a cost. Uh, they're not really getting any help in the draft, um, at least at the top end of the draft. So we'll see what they can do in some of the later rounds. You know, maybe some of those guys are paying out for them. Um, and then we've got the Browns in third. And then hopefully uh, you have to expect that the Bengals are going to be better. I mean, two and 14 is just absurd uh, at this level when you're supposed to have the best of the best players in this league. Um, just doesn't make any sense. But i uh, going to throw a lot of good vibes their way because uh, they gave up 420 points last year, which the date that we're recording this 420. So Woo. Um, I, hope I you would guys say left out uh, your milk and cookies for Snoop Dogg last night. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, Hey, maybe this is going to be the good luck charm that they need uh, to do a little bit better than that. Um, but that's kind of how I see that conference or uh, that division shaking up. Year. Yeah. Yeah. High, yeah. high, high But yeah, so that, that, that wraps up the, uh, AFC North. Um, so let's, let's, let's bring it, let's bring it to uh, a close here in terms of division talk, jumping down to the AFC South. I mean, let's be completely honest. The Titans showed up last year. Nobody Miracle expected season. what we, nobody expected what we got out of them. And they did what nobody has really been able to do over the last, decade and they stared the Patriots right in the eyes and they said you know what no more 
and they took him down. They cut him off at the kneecaps. They looked at the Patriots and said, we're tired of it. You're not pushing us around. You're not pushing these other teams around. And they did what nobody else had the courage to do. And that was end the dynasty. Would you say so, that Mike Brabel took the Patriot way to the Patriots? No, I would not, Kyle. Okay. I don't think it had anything to do with the Patriots other than losing. <laughs> Bill Belichick taught Mike Vrabel everything he knows. Sure he did. Winning. Keep dreaming. On a, yeah. did, he, did he do that on their date nights? Probably. Yeah, most likely. So here we are going into the new season. Uh, the Titans are obviously going to be the talk of the town for the AFC South. Um, not to say that anybody expects them to do the exact same thing that they just did this past season. But they went and they solidified the quarterback position with Mr. Ryan Tannehill himself. Uh, I mean, or we could call him Mr. Underwhelming. Let's be completely honest. Uh, Captain Handoff. There there you go. That's, that's, that's the perfect nickname. Handing it off to the franchise tagged, wrongfully so franchise tagged, Derrick Henry. But outside of those two, I mean, the Titans obviously have a spectacular defense. Uh, you know, they made some moves. They signed Mr. Vic Beasley, um, you know, Mr. Overrated himself. So just to go right along with whatever it is they got going on offense, they've got some stars. They got some underwhelming players, but whatever they do, it worked. But can they do it again? I don't know if they could do it again. I mean, last season they were nine and seven. Um, they just they made a deep run in the playoffs, which got their names in the headlines. I think that people are going to expect them to be better than they really are. Um, granted, they were the only team in their division that had a positive uh, point differential last season. They were at plus 71. The next closest in that division was the Texans, and they were at minus seven. So almost an 80, 80 point differential between those two, which is interesting. Um, but coming off a nine and seven season with a deep playoff push, I think people are going to have higher hopes for them than can be expected. But um, they're keeping a lot of offensive talent. They've obviously got the pieces there. Um, Whatever they're doing there is working. Tannehill, you know, he's a serviceable quarterback. Um, I don't know that he's their franchise guy, but they think so. The big four-year, $118 million deal. They obviously believe in him and want to keep him around. Um, Not sure why you wouldn't franchise tag him and go ahead and pay Derrick Henry. My only guess is they're looking at Derrick Henry and saying that car's got a lot of miles on it. Um, they're going to run him into the it's ground. Nick Saban. They're going to they're going to draft a good running back in the draft this year, and then run Derrick Henry into the ground this year, and then that dude him, already looks like he's been, he he's let him sign a like big deal. Forty, dude. If if that's forty, I want to I want to be forty. You you go an NFL Saban's, forty. He's you go into Nick Saban's a, offense. And then come out and play in the NFL where you play on a team that has no idea what they're doing offensively. So they just hand you the ball every single time. I mean, this guy's done nothing but get hit for the last, what, six, seven years in a row. But I mean, if there's somebody to do it it a lot, if there's somebody to do it, he's the guy. I mean, he's a stud. He is a rock. That is for sure. Not even a rock. He's a freaking mountain. Huge. I mean, anyways, he's, he's got a lot of mileage on him in high school. The man had over 12,000 yards and 153 touchdowns Ugh. in 48 games. My god. He averaged he averaged 250 yards and three touchdowns per game in high school. That's Oh my god. That's a lot of mileage on some <laughs> legs. Not to mention Luckily for him, luckily for him the competition's a little bit weaker. He probably yeah. wasn't getting touched nearly as much. True, but, but the um you know, everything else going on in the AFC South, I think obviously the biggest news to come out of the AFC South this year is going to be the Texans. 
not because they are winning, not because they are losing, but because they are dumb. What in the world are the Texans thinking? What are they doing? They have their guy in Deshaun Watson, showed up, turned that team around, made them a playoff team, and then they go and make one of the most ill-advised, unsatisfying, disappointing, and saddest trades that I personally have ever seen. The only thing I DeAndre can think Hopkins that they're seeing... for David Johnson, what in the world? The only thing I think that they could possibly be seeing is they think David Johnson can have a resurgence in a new offense. But trading away your the best player on your team outside of your quarterback... I I don't know. I can't remember. Yeah, top three wide receiver a, in the league. Absolutely. Without a doubt. Um, I mean, if you want to talk about a trade for top tier running back, then you put DeAndre Hopkins on the line. You're talking about getting a Derrick Henry. You're even talking about, hey, you know what? Nick Chubb has proven to be a pretty top tier guy. I'm going to get Nick Chubb, plus I'm going to get another player, plus I'm going to get a couple draft picks. You know, so I mean... I just I have no idea what they're thinking. The Bills paid more for Stephon Diggs, who's a good wide receiver. I won't take that away from him. Paid he's more not DeAndre, for Stephon. He's not DeAndre Hopkins. He is not DeAndre Hopkins. Not and close. he he never will be DeAndre Hopkins. And the Bills paid, in my opinion, quadruple than what the Cardinals paid to get DeAndre Hopkins. Yeah. Great trade for the Cardinals. Obviously not a great sound move by the Texans front office. They also don't have a first round pick. Their first pick will be the 40th overall. So it'll be interesting to see what they do. Um, I think they pretty much have to go with a wide receiver, if not a couple of wide receivers in this draft. It'll be interesting to see what they do. There's obviously a talented class there, but giving up DeAndre Hopkins, I don't know if that was the move. I would have rather held on to him and tried to pick up a good running back in the draft. Yeah, for sure. Um but that's really it for the AFC South in my book. You got anything else, Kyle, to add for the AFC uh, South? Quick note on the Colts. Um, they oh, yeah. got Phillip Rivers for a year, $25 million. That's the same amount that Tom Brady will be played per, paid. Blah, the same amount that Tom Brady will be paid per year on his new contract. The same amount that Drew Brees will be paid per year on his new contract. Interesting to see all of those side by side. Obviously, three older experienced quarterbacks that have all um, established themselves in their individual cities um but it'll be interesting to see what philip rivers can do in that offense in indianapolis um i think he'll obviously obviously he'll be the starter with a contract like that um maybe he can kind of coach up jacoby Brissett. i guess they're not thinking that he's the franchise guy that they expected him to be after extending him um last year but i think the biggest question for him is who is he gonna throw to um ty hilton's there but that's really your best option T.Y. Hilton and Jack Doyle so it'll be interesting to see I think this is another team on a long list of teams that are gonna be looking for a wide receiver in the draft um yeah we'll see we'll see with the Colts um yeah I mean the uh the AFC it honestly it's just the the most exciting thing and it's not for a good reason was the Hopkins and David Johnson trade um the AFC in my opinion has been kind of boring um you know you've got two teams with no first round picks um, the best that the Jaguars are probably looking to do is maybe pick, uh, is maybe picking up, uh, Isaiah Simmons, you know, is a possible linebacker option for them. So they're going to look, uh, at improving, you know, minimally at best, I think. Um, 
it's yeah, just a lot of a lot of talent on that defense trading away AJ Boye, Calais Campbell, and they ended up cutting yeah. Marcel Darius. So it'll be interesting to see what they do. That's a good point. Yeah, and they're you know I think they're probably going to put a small band aid on it. Uh, uh, you know, just not an exciting, not an exciting division in my opinion, boys. But um, yeah, it's yeah, probably why the it's probably why the Texans decided to do something dumb because they're like, you know what, I'm bored. Yeah, nobody else is doing anything. Let's throw a huge curveball into all this mess. <laughs> exactly. Well, in exactly. the spirit of 420, so, I mean, that trade was made right after the new CBA was announced. So we'll see. Yeah. I don't know if that contributed a, to Bill O'Brien's an, lapse a, of judgment. It's another, it's another drug reference for the <laughs> kids at home. Don't do drugs, kids. You do stupid trades like that. Um, yeah. Um, so end of season predictions. I'm going to be completely honest. <laughs> this is such a... I mean, every single one of these teams has a chance to do something um, because you don't have to do a lot in this division. This is kind of like looking at um, kind of looking at the Dallas Cowboys, the Giants, the Eagles, the division over there in the NFC. And it's it's kind of the same thing. You kind of got a lot of teams that could be good. Um, but unfortunately, it's probably going to end up with four teams that are just good enough to kind of beat each other to find their way to the division championship, to the playoffs. Uh, you're probably not going to see a wild card team come out of this. Um, and I, I mean, I personally, I can't even begin to think who's going to win this division. So I'm going to pass this off to somebody else. I mean, somebody else, somebody else <laughs> tell me who's winning this division. Uh, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to take the Titans winning the division just because of how stupid the Texans are um, and their trade inabilities. Um, I think that when they gave up, uh, DeAndre Hopkins, they gave up their top spot. They gave up the wild card. They gave up a lot of things. Um, so yeah, I'm, you know, I, I guess I'll give it to the Titans. Um, and who even knows how the bottom three are going to go? Um, it's kind of anybody's, anybody's move to make if they want to go for a wild card. Um, and like you said, anybody could clinch the division. It's just, it's kind of a trash, kind of a trash division all the way around, in my opinion. Yeah. Kyle, what do you think? Yeah, this is an interesting, uh, interesting division to wrap up on. Definitely not the bright spot of the AFC. Um, I liked your comparison to the NFC East. It's kind of the bottom of the barrel for, for the Mm -hmm. conference. Um, interestingly enough, I have written in my notes here. I ordered them. I think the Titans will win it. Texans, Colts, Jaguars, Vegas has the Titans and the Colts both with eight and a half wins Texans at eight and the oh. Jags at a league worst four and a half wins. Oh, no. um, that's an interesting note. I think the Titans Texans eight and, and a Colts, half wins is getting to the playoffs this year is what Vegas is, is saying. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the Titans Texans and Colts. Um, I agree. I think they're all very close. Uh, I still think the Titans are going to be the favorites in the division. They haven't had a lot of talent lost um, on their offense. They have some defensive questions, but I think they're going to be able to address them. The Colts, I will say the caveat to the Colts, if they can draft a solid complimentary wide receiver to T.Y. Hilton and draft a good running back, um, I've seen a lot of people saying they're going to try to shoot for Jonathan Taylor out of Wisconsin, which is a great fit for that offense Um, because they have a fantastic run-blocking offensive line. I think that they could surpass that 8.5 and and run away with that division. Um, It's really anybody's game. I think it will be determined by new faces and rookies making a splash in the division, but we'll see what happens there. Um, You know, a lot of new faces, a lot of changes. The Jags are handing the keys over to Gardner Minshew. Um, We'll see if Minshew Mania can pull out more than 
more than uh, the 4.5 prediction. We'll see. That mustache is capable of amazing things. I just know it. It's <laughs> anything's possible. Um, so I'll finish it out. I'm going to, I'm going to throw a little bit of a different feel into this um, simply because I don't want people to think that, you know, I hate the Texans that much um, for what they did, even though I really do. But I think the Texans find a way to win those eight games and to win this division. Um, unless, and I completely agree with Kyle on this, unless the Colts decide that it's their division now. Um, because I think that overall, I think that they have the best chance at finding their way to that ninth win, the illustrious ninth win that Las <laughs> Vegas won't even give a single team in that division. Um, and so, but I'm going to go with the Texans. I think that everybody sees the Titans for who they are now. Um, even as we talked about earlier with their, dedication to their defense even with as good as it was spending even more money on it this offseason people know what to expect when they face the titans now i don't think anybody's gonna be caught off guard by them anymore um but i think i think deshaun watson's good enough i think their wide receiver core is um, athletic enough they're fast there might there might not be that big guy anymore or that go-to deep route guy anymore but will fuller's a great wide receiver um for what Deshaun Watson's trying to accomplish. So I think, I think the Texans do end up winning the divisions with eight wins. But, and then we'll, we'll, we'll just let the rest of the division play itself out. So here we are, we're at the end of the podcast. We are looking at the most improved and the loser of the off season rapid fire. We're not going to give a whole lot of explanation. We're just going to give our heart here. Kyle, what do you got? Uh, most improved this off season. I think it's got to go to the bills. Um, they obviously got a top target for Josh Allen to pass to. They spent a lot of money on a defense that was already stellar. Um, it's hard to go down doing that. They don't have any first-round picks, so I think they were smart in spending the money in free agency and making the trade for Stephon Diggs. Um, and then, unfortunately, I think the worst offseason is going to have to go to my beloved New England Patriots. We'll keep in the AFC East. Um Tough to see that much talent go. Uh, like I said earlier, four defensive starters, two offensive starters, two of your captains, the leaders of your team. Uh, it's rebuilding season in New England. We'll see how they do. Hopefully it's a shorter rebuilding than some squads have had, but uh, there's a time for everybody, and hopefully it's not the end. We'll see what Bill B can come up with in the draft, see if he can restructure things. Chandler, what you got? Uh, yeah, mine's going to be a little unconventional, but I think uh, I think that the Chiefs actually uh, improved in a lot of ways. Uh, not so much in a flashy, you know, they brought in you know big time players and things like that. But I thought that they were really smart in this offseason. I thought that they made some moves that made a lot of sense for what they specifically needed. Um, and I think that they're just continuing to seal uh, their fate and what the and what they're able to do in this league. And so um, with the XFL signing and Jordan Tamu. Uh, and you know, what they were able to do with restructuring Sammy Watkins contract, you know, I just think that they needed in a bad way to be able to figure out, okay, what's, what's the long game now? We've sort of figured out what's, what's working and, and we want to ride that. We want to ride that wave. So, um, I really liked what I saw out of them. Um, worst, uh, gosh, it, I'm probably gonna have to go with the Patriots as well. I mean, again, you, when you lose the face of the yeah, franchise, boy. when you lose, um, r- really just in my opinion, kind of, um, you know, again, the, I don't, I don't know how tongue in cheek tank for Trevor is. I think that part of the <laughs> Patriots are kind of thinking, you know what? Maybe, you know, maybe that's the route we go. So, um, 
you know, I think they're probably the losers on this one, but hey, maybe they wanted to be. Maybe they do. Um, so for me, I'm going to go winners. I am going to go with the Buffalo Bills as well, um, mainly because there just really isn't a whole lot of winning going on in the AFC right There's now. Not. Um, I think that, you know, in the pod that we record after the draft, maybe the Dolphins are winning this offseason with their 14 picks. And if they crush it, who knows? But as of right now, the Bills made the best move um, in the divi- in the entire division, going out and getting themselves Stefan Diggs, getting Josh Allen, the receiver that he needs to be able to reach the potential that they think that he has. Um, so good on them. Loser of the offseason, as much as I would love to say the Patriots, even though I do think that they are losing this offseason, I think the biggest loser is the Houston Texans, simply because they just made one of the most boneheaded trades in NFL history. And that's where that explanation ends right there. Still think they win the division though. Go figure. So um, at the end of every podcast, we do like to give a not sponsored by plug to local business, big business makes no difference. Just something that uh, impact has impacted us either this week or has impacted our lives. Uh, We just like to give a little shout out to um, everything that is, uh, or any company out there that has stood out to us. And so I'm going to shoot it over to Chandler to give his, and then we'll go around the circle. Yeah, so uh, my not sponsored by company is going to be Mouse, M-O-U-S. So uh, they make phone cases, um, which is not very exciting. But um, I usually, because I'm cheap and we have a cheap podcast, uh, I was rocking like an iPhone 6S for so long. And, you know, so never had any reason to protect it. Finally upgraded to the new iPhone 11. And uh, I was like, all right, you know, on the market for something. And so I was reaching out to um, a couple of different companies because you do have some issues of, you know, whether the materials and stuff like that are fair trade, you know, what are the working conditions in some of the factories that a lot of this stuff is produced in because a lot of it is coming um, from just various countries. And and so where labor laws are, can be a little bit more relaxed. And so this was actually a company that responded back to me, which I did not expect. And he said, you know, hey, so grateful for you caring about these things. We also care about this. Here's actually a video which kind of goes into how our cases are made, the conditions and stuff that are our people are in while they're making them. And so I thought that was super cool and their cases work. So that's obviously that's awesome. the most important thing. So yeah, huge props to mouse M O U S. Awesome. Kyle, what do you got? My plug of the podcast doesn't go to a brand or a company. It goes more to a person and group of people. Um, obviously during the COVID-19 coronavirus, however you want to call it. Um, a lot of important people doing a lot of hard work out there in healthcare. Um, shout out to a former member of the AFC South Titans, Myron Roll. Um, he was a safety for them, and he is now um, a neurosurgery resident at Harvard Medical Center. Um, but he has volunteered to work in the emergency room at Massachusetts General Hospital, um, treating COVID patients on the front line. Um, so props to him for volunteering to take on those shifts that may not otherwise be very interesting to a neurosurgeon resident. Um, but also shout out to all the healthcare workers out there on the front lines doing hard work. Um, we appreciate you guys. Yeah, solid. Brandon, what you got? So, yeah, I'm going to bring it around uh, and wrap this up. I'm going to do a quick little plug for um, a company called Nobis. It's a company right here in Marietta, Georgia, and uh, started by the late, great Mr. Falcon himself, Tommy Nobis. Um, it is a uh, it's a business that 
helps to um, reintegrate uh, people that have had traumatic brain injuries or traumatic injuries in general, or even those have been born with special needs, autism, Down syndrome, helps get them jobs, get them acclimated to the work world. Um, you know, so that way they, they can earn their living. They can earn their keep. And this is a huge rehabilitation process as well as an introductory process, like I said, into the workforce. Um, so it's a great company. My wife used to work for them, um, as a counselor and man, they, they, they do really good things working alongside hospitals, uh, working at the Brave Stadium, uh, working in retail locations. They, they do it all. So good for them. Um, you know, great company. So I hope that, uh, you know, they continue to succeed even with everything going on. And so that brings us to a wrap today. Episode three, uh, quick shout out. As Kyle said, we don't, we don't ever want to take lightly the uh, frontline workers that are out there right now, the essential workers, the nurses, the first responders, um, anybody out there that is uh, being asked to leave their homes every single day to go out there and, and work and do, do things. So that way the people that don't have to, um, leave their houses, have something to be able to go to the store to buy stuff, or, um, if they have to go to the doctor's office or anything that that looks like huge shout out to you guys. We love you. We're praying for you. Please stay safe, but also don't forget to follow us on our social media accounts. Uh, Kyle, what are they? Yeah. If you're looking for us on social media, you'll find us on Twitter and Instagram at TCSS podcast. And you can find our Facebook page by searching the cheap seat sports podcast there. Uh, thanks for listening. Have a great week. Bye, guys.